listening to The Cooler Ring, a podcast made for manufacturing marketers. Here are Carmen Perry and Jeff White. Welcome to The Cooler Ring, a podcast for manufacturing marketers brought to you by Cooler Partners. My name is Jeff White. I'm joined today by Carmen Perry. Carmen, how are you doing, sir? Uh, Jeff, I'm, I'm feeling like uh, perhaps, um, you know, we haven't lived up to what we could be doing here in the podcast. <laughs> I, 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 well, I recently did a chat GPT uh, request where I asked it to rewrite the introduction to the cooler ring, but to do it with the style of Hunter S. Thompson. Mm-hmm. And it sounded more fun. Uh, I think we would be decidedly higher uh, were we doing <laughs> what they were recommending. Um, <laughs> and it just overall, I felt like, so I thought that's where you were going. I thought you were going to demo the new yeah yeah i mean it goes it goes a lot of different directions you know (laughs) when when you start refining a chat gpt request to redo something you've been doing weekly for four years it's kind of hard to like latch on to that thompson persona but we could try you know all all jokes aside it um i did actually try that um with chat gpt uh it, it it was fun I would encourage people to check it out, but we will not uh, try to incorporate that in today's intro. But I, I look, I I do not think today's conversation will be any less entertaining than had we had Hunter S himself on the show. Um, <laughs> uh, so let's uh, let's just jump into uh, today's uh, conversation and introduce the guests, Jeff. Absolutely. So joining us today is Jim Loria. Jim is the VP of Sales and Marketing at Maisie. Welcome to the Coolering, Jim. Well, thanks a lot, guys. And uh, that's uh, some big shoes to fill, Hunter S. Thompson. Uh, although, you know, as we talked about, I am in wine country, but uh, we'd have to consume quite a bit to, to, to meet his expectations, right? <laughs> exactly. Probably right. W- willing to give it the college try, however. Well, look, uh, Jim, Introduce yourself to our listeners a bit more formally, if you would, and and perhaps uh, let us know who Maisie is. Yeah, sure. We'll start with Maisie. So Maisie Injector Company is a company that designs and manufactures mixing and contacting systems for a wide range of water treatment applications, agricultural, spa market, some uh, quite a bit of work in the municipal water treatment field and industrial water treatment for wastewater products in a wide range, produced water for the oil and gas, uh, food and beverage applications. So uh, anything water, that's kind of what we touch with our equipment and our designs. And how did you come to, uh, to join Maisie? So um, quite a journey. Uh, I've got a degree in chemical engineering from Manhattan College. Started my background as a process engineer, environmental manager, production manager in the sugar industry and then got into sales and marketing of a wide range of filtration products for um, different applications. I had the enviable job of traveling around the world, visiting all the breweries to make sure they were filtering their beer properly early in my career and spent a lot of time in the wine industry as well. But uh, over the last 20, 25 years, really been dedicated to water treatment. And uh, so it was with a number of companies and I'm going on about eight years with Maisie really great company, privately owned. Uh, It was started by Angelo Maisie about 40 years ago, 45 years ago, and uh, out of his garage, 
Um, he was an industrial engineer and he saw a way to do a better job of putting fertilizer and nutrients into irrigation water with Venturi injectors. And that expanded into all those other applications I mentioned, uh, municipal water treatment, industrial water treatment, pool and spa applications, a uh, real American success story. And uh, uh, quite, uh, quite proud of uh, what he's done uh, starting, as I said, 45 years ago in his garage to develop this type of uh, uh, product. It's a, it's a, a fantastic and, and fascinating story. And I think it, uh, you know, I, I guess it's kind of from that, that um, uh, that foundation that it really has propelled you to be doing, taking the kind of marketing and sales approach that you've been been taking, which, you know, is, is one that in some ways seems only open to the category leaders, right? Uh, this this notion of educating the market in a very, you know, holistic and some ways indirect way from a sales perspective. Yeah, comment. Well, I, tap I, us I, into that strategy a bit. Yeah, sure. So, you know, I always joke about this. I mean, it's great to have a story like, like Angelo's to tell uh, on a regular basis like I'm doing today. Um, one of the things that we really want to do is not only tell a story about Maisie and our products, but also the story about the challenges and, and trends in the water space. Uh, our philosophy is that, you know, it's important for people to know what our products can do, our, our, our services can do. But we really, our feeling is that in the water treatment field, if the general public doesn't understand the value of water, then there's no way people are gonna pay for the value of all products and services. So we have a, a philosophy of like a three-step process in how we tell a story. Of course, we have our brochures, we have our marketing collateral that tell specifically the benefits and advantages of using Maisie's products. But in order to tell a bigger story and get more people to understand what we're doing, we have early stage content, which is basically why water is valuable, why you need to value it, how it's valuable, and the trends in the industry. Then we have middle stage content that tells the story of all the different ways of treating water and including some of our uh, competitors, what they're doing. And then late stage content, like I said, how Maisie is a better choice in some of the applications that we're looking at. So it's, it's a strategy that uh, incorporates all those early stage content, middle stage content, late stage content. Arguably, this early stage content around just valuing water. Um, I mean, there's early stage and then there's early stage. I mean, it's very broad. Well, you would think, um, you know, anybody that's a direct prospect um, uh, maybe doesn't need to be convinced of the valuing of, of, of waters. It's interesting to me that you spend some time there at that, at that stage, at that, and, and get to that kind of level of halo, if you will. Right. Well, so, I mean, you're, you're right, Carmen, that, that, that is important, but we feel that we want to build a reputation of thought leaders in the industry. And so, I mean, there's only a, a subset, a small subset in a water treatment field that's interested in Maisie products, right, at any given time. But if we start to build our reputation as thought leaders, 
and they see my name, they see the Maisie name. I mean, we it, it was fantastic. We were at a trade show last week with Angelo and his wife, the, the, the founders of the company, and somebody came by and he, I guess I had my badge turned around and he didn't see my name. And he looked up and he said, Maisie, you guys have a lot of great content in on LinkedIn and I'm always reading it. And he really didn't have any reason to, you know, to want and, and, and know our product, but he learned amazing name through that. And then I, I guess I turned the badge around and he said, oh, Jim, you're the guy that I always read and keep up the good work. And, and you know, I never met this guy before, but through LinkedIn, what I put in content around just early stage information, he knew the company and we got into a conversation. And uh, there's an opportunity now that uh, might not have happened if uh, he hadn't read that early stage content and just passed over what we put in as far as our brochures and, you know, things that we feel we're good at from a company standpoint. I think, too, part of the lure of your content is your perspective, Jim, because you bring a certain turn of phrase to things and uh, your, your use of language, I think, is engaging in a way that a lot of content at this sort of level with this kind of application doesn't really necessarily go for. So you've created a bit of a personality, you know, not, not just for Maisie, but for yourself, that's clearly resonating with, with the right types of people. And I, I think it's interesting, too, that, you know, you're People aren't often able to kind of inject their own personality into the things that they're writing for for their company or for their clients or, or what have you. But Maisie's recognized the value of that and, and kind of asked you to run with it a bit, haven't they? They have. They have. I, I mean, it, 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 when I when I first joined Maisie, um, they, they kind of recognized pretty quickly the CEO, Jeff Wynott and Angelo Maisie. They recognized that by me getting out there and people knowing who I was and I had you know, some followings before with some of the other companies that I was working for, you know, kind of doing the same thing. Uh, I was fortunate to have another CEO before I was working for Maisie that recognized that as well. And so a couple of things that they, they recognized right away was that people weren't going to just read Maisie information. And by getting more of the people to read this early stage content, we were building a following. That was number one. Number two, the other thing, and I always talk about this, is we're much more valuable to our distributors and manufacturers reps. Because when we have engagement, we get the leads. We, we use Water Online quite a bit as our uh, uh, marketing platform, our, our content platform. And when people download this early stage content that isn't necessarily focused on Maisie information, we capture that information and we share that with our distributors and our manufacturers reps. And why that's valuable is the people that we're sending it from the, the, the leads that we're sending to them might not be interested in Maisie products, but they could be interested in some of the other product lines that our reps uh, carry, right? They carry 15, 20 water treatment product lines. Now they've got a contact that maybe a municipality, a uh, somebody that's an operator that they now have this contact that maybe they can sell some of their other product lines to. And so it makes Maisie a more valuable um, uh, principle for some of these, for, for some of our rep firms. And they always compliment us and thank us for sending these uh, leads to them for their particular territory that they cover for Maisie. I, uh, I've got about 40 follow-up questions to that. Um, <laughs> uh, 
Well, uh, you know, I guess um, uh, let's start with uh, it, it's it is curious to me how um, uh, I think we all um, know and see examples of brands who lean into having uh, people engaging, not not through the lens of the brand, but make it a little uh, allow it to get a bit more personal. And um, and there's a lot of benefit to that. I think obviously people connect with people more than people connect with brands, and nobody wants to be a friend with the brand, really. Right. Um, but of course, there comes a time when you probably don't want to work anymore. <laughs> you know, I mean, it did move to Napa recently, so uh, yeah, no, that's that's right. But but I, I you know I love to write, and I've been writing since uh, I was eight years old, and and uh, I have a, in my, I'm ready to to put a uh, I have a, a 1947 Royal typewriter that my father had when he when he came out of the army, and uh, he he would type up stories that I would write out, you know, back then, and I I. I always had a love of, of reading and writing, but I also had a love of science and math. And that and that's what led me to get my degree in chemical engineering. So I've always had those two things. And for me, um, there's nothing I like to do more than sit down with a, a writing pad and write out some ideas about, you know, what I'm going to write about next and taking photographs. I, I just took some photographs of some rain gardens in San Francisco before I left. And I wrote an article about that and I published that on LinkedIn. And I'm going to, I was taking a walk along the Napa uh, riverfront and uh, it's a great story about floodplain protection and uh, took some photos of that. And so it's an avocation, it's a hobby, it's, it's fun. And I'm fortunate enough that it really helps my business life and, and my, you know, company to, to be able to do that. So, um, you know, retirement, <laughs> I don't see it. I don't see it. Yeah. And, and, I, I totally get that, and I'm kind of, I'm kind of curious about. But does uh, does Maisie have to think about, kind of, uh, how does this get transitioned? How does this equity that's being created? Yeah, this isn't like making sure the salespeople are capturing the leads in the CRM. Yeah, it's a different it's, nuance. Different, uh, yeah. Have you given any thought to that? Yeah, well, I have. I have somebody, uh, one of our, our uh, younger uh, sales engineers, sales managers. He's coming up behind me and I'm training him on some of that stuff. Uh, I don't know if it's going to be um, if he's going to have the same inclination. I mean, he's a really smart guy and uh, he's going to do a great job as leading the sales team. Um, but, I, you know, I told him, I said, even if I, you know, even when I retire and we, we've got some runway there, um, I, I want to still be involved. And uh, I think Maisie's interested in having me kind of do this uh, as 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 part of a contract basis. But. Um, whatever they decide is fine with me. I'm going to continue to write about water issues and, you know, tell stories and, uh, you know, have fun with it. So if it can be a benefit to them and look, somebody else, I mean, I, I could do it for other companies as well. So, uh, you know, I don't see myself uh, slowing down anytime soon. I mean, I, I do think, though, that, that there is. You know, part of what you're doing too, because you're not just writing either. You have a you have a podcast, and, and I realize there's nothing more annoying than podcasters recognizing when they're interviewing somebody that each has a podcast and talking about every <laughs> podcaster. But 
by engaging with people in other types of content than just article writing and uh, and the photography that you're taking, you are opening it up to things that maybe younger generations might be more interested in contributing to if they're not if they don't see themselves as diehard writers. Sure, I mean, there's a lot of ways to do it, and that's what I always talk about. And one of the things I always like to talk about is content is uh, you know very malleable, right? So a podcast like we're doing now becomes a post on LinkedIn. A LinkedIn post becomes a PowerPoint presentation at a conference. The PowerPoint presentation becomes uh, a, a white paper. I mean, so I always like to look at how we can repurpose any type of content that's produced. So that, that's, that's a big part of our strategy at Maisie. Uh, how can we leverage these things? Case studies become... Uh, conference uh, uh, presentations, uh, all, all those things. How can you make these things more beneficial and spread the word about a water issues and b Maisie's um, solutions to some of those water challenges? Jim, the other area beyond the personality side of it that I was kind of curious about um, is as we. It, it, it seems to me that as you move more and more, if you will, up funnel with content into those very early stages, and especially when you move into content that is about educating a market uh, in a very broad sense, uh, I, it's been my experience that often where those efforts get challenged is they get burdened with an ROI expectation that is um, maybe more suited to content production that's more down funnel. Uh, the further up you go, the less you can you know, connect those dots. And maybe you can only connect those dots after a considerable number of months, years, and in investment. Um, how, how has the company thought about that and thought about uh, measuring the value of these efforts? Yeah. So as I mentioned, we're using Water Online as a platform. So the leads we get... Um, are, are part of that, right? And I mentioned how they're beneficial not only to Maisie, but also to our uh, channel partners. But um, what we're also doing is as we capture those leads, we're building our uh, contact database. So these leads now become our part, part of our uh, own newsletters that we send out. So it's hard to really measure common, you know, the old joke about 50% of your marketing is, is worthwhile and the other 50% isn't, but it, you're not sure which is, right? So, so you do 100% of it. And uh, some of the case in points, you know, I mentioned this uh, connection at the, the trade show that, uh, you know, he came by our booth and recognized Maisie just simply by the content that we produce on LinkedIn. Um, it's, it's hard to say, but... Um, we feel confident that there is the return on investment, the, the return on investment, not only in terms of uh, the, um, the leads, but also, look, I, I'm, I'm on this podcast talking to you guys, getting the word out about Maisie based on what I put on LinkedIn, right? And so um, that's, that's, that's pretty much a proof that uh, it does work. And uh, I, I don't know how many people are going to be listening to this that end up buying a product from Maisie, but you know, it's something that we're gonna promote. We're gonna promote on LinkedIn. We're gonna promote everywhere we can so that um, people hear, hear the, the message. It, um, 
I mean, if I'm reading between the lines of all of that, I think part of it is that, you know, the company's kind of okay with not having to draw those exact connect, uh, you know, connections every step of the way. They certainly are enthusiastic when you see those direct signals, like we know we're getting X number of leads from water online, et cetera. And then there's another part of it that's, I guess, is in some ways a little bit more like religion, which is the part that I always kind of find, uh, uh, you know, fun when we as marketers acknowledge that there's still a little bit of mystery in what happens, you know? Yeah, exactly. I mean, there, there is that. And uh, anybody you, you, you speak with is the best way to do marketing is storytelling, right? And so when you're telling stories, it's not necessarily um, that it's going to resonate with everybody or today, but it's going to resonate. And if you keep telling those stories and keep connecting with people, it's going to connect to the people that are going to buy your product. They're going to be interested in hearing more about your product. Um, so that's that's kind of what, how, how we, we look at, uh, at our content marketing strategy. It's very much content as the 401k model. It doesn't pay today, <laughs> but it is a bit of a long game. Yes, yeah, exactly. I like that. I like that terminology. What surprised you the most about this approach? Some of I'm, I'm sure you could see some of the success kind of predicted in advance, but what has surprised you? Yeah, that's a really good question. So, I I, I guess how how it's resonated outside the water industry. That that's uh, people know me in the water industry, right? And and so they know my background. I've been in the industry a long time. I've spoken at conferences. I've you know, seen people, like they've seen my content on Water Online for a long time. But uh, the way people can, I mean, just speaking with you guys is a, is a big surprise that somebody would reach out and talk to us about pretty much non-related water issues around marketing and to recognize that what we're doing can be applied for other uh, different products, different market sectors. And, and so that that's kind of a surprise, right? I mean, that, that's, that's a really big surprise. I'd say that, that how I've connected with other people and uh, been able to uh, uh, get the word out through other channels other than what would be typically looked at in our water, tr water treatment field, more or less. Do you see any major additions or pivots to this strategy or any kind of anything on the horizon that has uh, ha has you excited about maybe what's next? Yeah. So one of the things I'm playing around with is writing and producing content using AI, artificial intelligence. And uh, I just started looking at it. I, I I haven't been work. I haven't really you know delved into it, but I think it's going to make uh, it a lot easier. Because I, I produce a lot of content and people are like surprised at me. I ha and I do it, as like I said, I do it as a hobby. If I'm watching a football game or a basketball game, um, I've got my notepad out. I've got my reference books. Um, I'm jotting down ideas. You know, like I said, I walked around with that rain gardens. Then I'm on my phone looking at, okay, what's being written about rain gardens around the world and, you know, that kind of stuff. And so for me, it's, it's easy. But but I'm trying to see how can you turn people that don't have this inclination and feel that writing is a struggle. 
it's never been a struggle for me. Um, so uh, how can we use AI to do a, a job of, of you got some ideas, uh, ideas about what, what you want to write about and how can you kind of coalesce those ideas into something that people want to read? I love that we started this episode talking about how we use ChatGPT to create a Hunter S. Thompson-esque intro to the show. And now we're talking about AI-generated content from the perspective of somebody who respects the content. Um, I, I really like that. I, the other day, I forwarded a tweet to Carmen about a marketer who was sharing that he had created figured out how to connect ChatGPT to Google Sheets and had generated 387 localized blog posts with over 400,000 words automatically and how great it was to be able to have this volume of content for search. And it's kind of like, okay, that, that, that feels gross. But <laughs> the way that you talk about it is like, I'm taking these inputs and this knowledge and this understanding of an industry and leveraging it to be able to create content. I mean, this is part of how you create a strategy for uh, for succession, really. You know, like there, there's ways of thinking about this leveraging current technology, but it's still informed by a, an understanding of writing and an understanding of, of the subject matter. Um, mm. Do you think that is a bit of a thorny issue, but do you think that's going to matter going forward or are we just going to be inundated with AI generated content that just is so banal that it's not worth consuming. Yeah, that's a good question, Jeff. I, you know that that I struggle with it, right? So it's 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 you know I, I like you. We started out the uh, the the podcast that part of what people read is my personality, and I talk about my wife Lori Loria. You know that's that's always humorous for people to hear, right? And, uh, you know, the, the, the places I've traveled to, the, the things I've seen, the photos I've taken, um, you know, how is that going to marry up with uh, artificial intelligence produced content? Um, I think it's going to be a mixture of both. I think it's going to be that how can I generate this usable content faster? And for people that don't have the inclination or the time to do what I do, um, it, it's, it's going to be part of the process, but you're right. I mean, is there going to be just so much stuff that, you know, to use, a uh, a, 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 a water metaphor, you know, an ocean of material that's coming at you like a fire hose that you just, uh, I don't have time for any of it. Right. And so that's, that's, that's the question. And, uh, I think there's always going to be that human element of personality and, you know, rather than just content that's just spit out with, uh, you know, AI, but, um, who knows, who knows. Before, before AI, we had, uh, kind of mediocre content being just churned out by content factories around subjects. Right. Right. And, and what did we learn? We learned that, uh, uh, content produced by real people that have in-depth knowledge of a sector and an industry, and are willing to share a bit of their personality and personal lived experience along with that knowledge will always rise to the top. I mean, and uh, I, it's, it, I don't know that that rule is going to change with AI. It's just the, the starting point's a bit different, but the success will still be, uh, I, I think we'll still go to the folks that are, that are um, willing to um, 
bring that level of vulnerability to the content production. Well, I don't think anybody's willing to go to a conference to listen to ChatGPT give a session on water. <laughs> no, no, I'm sure, I'm sure not. I'm sure not. Kind of a frightening idea. Yes, yes. Now, where do we go? <laughs> where do we take this podcast, Jeff? <laughs> I don't know, Hal. What do you? <laughs> if you have a certain age to get that one, I suppose. Yeah, no, yes, I, I totally got it. Yeah, no, it's good, good, re- good reference. Uh, Jim, I'm just trying to, uh, you know, I think we probably should wrap up our time together as we kind of come up upon the, the half hour mark. And, uh, um, I just wonder any kind of, uh, any advice that you would give our listeners, yeah. uh, especially if you could, I, I'm curious if, uh, just a, a, a advice today or something you wish you could tell yourself 25 years ago. I'm curious about either of those answers. Yeah. So a couple of things. So first of all, you know, I have a motto and I I picked it up from a friend a number of years ago, never underestimate your ability to influence other people. And I I really feel that's important that if you, if you have something to say, uh, whether it's about your business or something that you can impart to people to have an understanding uh, of some issue or something, um, go out and, and say it. And so um, but also remember, you know, that works both ways. Never underestimate your ability to influence other people can have a negative connotation as well. So just just be careful what you, you say and, and, and present, and, but know that it, it doesn't fall on deaf ears, that it's going to affect somebody. And so, um, you know, the content, the, you know, repurposing that content and, and telling stories is is really the important part of marketing and uh and, and understanding as far as my my younger self um my my path has been uh i've been very fortunate to follow a path i've, I've been to all places in the world um and uh, learned from so many people so many cultures uh picked up some ideas about um all kinds of things including and it's what I write about a lot is water treatment. And we don't have all the answers here in North America. Uh, there's a lot of good work that's being done around the world. So, um, you know, learn from other cultures, uh, pick up ideas um, and, and uh, you know, follow, follow what, what the good things that people are doing that, uh, that can help uh, both in terms of water treatment also, but also in terms of life. Um, and I'd say, that that's kind of what I learned on my on my journey through my career. Jim, it's been great having you on the show. Thanks so much for sharing your uh, story with us today. My pleasure, my pleasure, guys. I really enjoyed the time. You're wonderful to have you. Thanks. Thank you. Thanks for listening to the Cooler Ring with Carmen Perry and Jeff White. Don't miss a single manufacturing marketing insight. Subscribe now at coolapartners.com/slash/thecoolerring. That's k u l a partners.com/slash/thecoolerring.